A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 59 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you today, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, uh, are you a little nervous that we're we're recording during game six? What, What are your feelings right now about this game? Yeah, I mean, stomach's in a little bit of knots right now, a little nervous (laughs) watching it. We've, we've, Watched through the first two innings before we hit the record button. We probably would have never started recording, honestly. So we just had to hit record and do it. But yeah, nervous is an understatement. You know, I'm hoping they can finish it off and bring the title home for the first time since '95. Yeah. And this is your first World Series for the Braves, right? Yeah. I mean, I was one years old when they right. last won, but don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time Sox are in the World Series, it's, it's nerve wracking. It's, yeah. It's obviously you love you having your team in these situations, but at the same time, it's like, this is not good for my health. No. Um, yeah. I'll be happy when it's over. When it's all said and done, I can focus back on fantasy stuff and not <laughs> just rest 24 seven. Hopefully with a world series title, I hope going, so. going back to Atlanta. Are, are you going to go to the parade if that, if that happens? Yeah, I think I have to, you yeah. know, went to, went to the game on Friday, which was pretty sweet. Got to yeah. win. So got to go back for the parade. That'd be awesome. For sure, a buddy, a uh, buddy of mine, and, and I, we went down to the parade after the 2013 World nice. Series, and that was and that one was kind of special too, because that was the year, you know, the marathon bombings in the start of the year, you know, the you know, this is our city, Boston strong, kind of thing. So uh, yeah. that was a really kind of a special year, start to finish in, in Boston. So going to that parade, I was what, uh, 23 at the time. Uh, yeah, drove down with a buddy. That was just, that was a blast. So um, yeah, so hopefully uh, I'm rooting for the the Braves as well here. Hopefully. Take, take it. Max Fried's out here pumping 98 with a swollen ankle, probably. I freaking <laughs> stepped half on. Half of an ankle, yeah. On his yeah. push-off foot. That's ridiculous. Got all that adrenaline coursing through him. They'll pump a 98 right now in the first couple of yep. So, 0-0 zero, zero right now. We're top of the third. Um, so, we'll see what the game's at. time we finish recording, we'll probably just keep on going and watch the rest of it after this. So, yep. Um, but we do have a show to, to do here. Um, before we get into this week's episode, the usual housekeeping. 
You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoCleg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great written and, and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. Let's get right into this week's episode, and we had a little bit of a kind of a hodgepodge. We don't have like one set topic this week, but we are going to discuss some you know, Houston and Atlanta players and uh, where they might be dynasty wise and and value wise going into next season. Figure that'd be fitting uh, with the World Series going on right now. Uh, maybe it's over by the time you listen to this, but as of right now, still in Game Six here. So we'll talk some Houston Astros to start, then get into some Atlanta players after the break. I'm going to finish with our listener mailbag. We put out a tweet earlier, got a bunch of good questions. We'll get through as many as we can. Don't know if we can get through them all. If not, we'll get to the rest of them on Twitter for sure. Let's start with the Houston Astros here and a player that uh, we kind of both were just saying that we don't really like that much. And I think the consensus is that most people don't like this player, but uh, Alex Bregman is having a really rough World Series. He's I think he's hitting like two for 20 or something like that right now. Uh, coming off another kind of so-so year, 270, 355, 422 slash line, 12 home runs, 55 RBI, and 54 runs in 91 games. So like right around the 21, 22 homer, 100 and 100 pace. Um, but still, and then 2020 has had a down year as well, 242 average. Hasn't really been great since 2019. So I guess the question is, Chris, what can we expect from Bregman moving forward? Like, Do you think there's a chance we see anything close to 2018, 2019 levels again, or is he kind of like a rung or two below that? Like still a good player, obviously, but just not an elite, like top 30 option. Yeah. I think he's going to be overrated again. Like I, you know, I thought last year or prior to 2021 was the year to draft him. I thought he was a good value and it really didn't work out. Honestly, like I still think he's going to go top 50. I think there's a lot of name value there. Uh, and I just can't get on board with that. I know third base is just, really really shallow but even still i don't know i i'm just not on board with drafting him next year and for dynasty like if if you can get something for the name value i probably would everyone's going to want to go back to that 2019 season obviously had an awesome year that year when he hit 41 home runs and then had a 296 average a 423 opp was stellar and then his runs and RBI total was insane with 122 runs and 112 RBI and he's going to have a lot of counting stats because he's in this good Houston lineup I don't know what it'll look like next year I mean I know Correa is a free agent I think Brantley's a free agent too unless I'm mistaken there I think he has an option but I think he's probably gonna be gone from the looks of it yeah so you know I would guess Correa is gone they'll still have Altuve and Tucker and Jordan so there's still a lot of talent in the lineup you know even past this year so no questioning that but you you even look though the counting stats this year he was on pace for 100-100 but I don't know. I just don't think the power is legit. I think he's a solid play in OBP leagues, but from a power standpoint, I don't think he ever repeats that. Like, I think he's a hard press to hit 30 home runs again. I think he's more like a 20 home run bat, which, or not 25, like a 25 home run bat. I think 20 is probably yeah. the lower end. 25 is reasonable, but you look and he just doesn't hit the ball that hard. And even in the, the seat in the 2019 season, hard hit rate of only 38%. The average exit velocity that year was only 89.3 miles an hour. His max EV first career is 107.6, and that's just really low. That just doesn't 
scream good raw power by any means. Right. The the biggest thing that we saw that year, the twenty nineteen season, was just the the high launch angle at at nineteen point six percent. So naturally, he had a higher home run to fly ball rate, hit more fly balls. But I don't know. I mean, he's tough to value moving forward for OBP. I think he's a little easier to hold on to. But yeah, for for a five by five league and for a redraft next year, like not really in on him. Yeah, I'm not either. I had him sixth in my third base rankings that I just uh, published over on our Patreon a couple of days ago, and I didn't like it. Like, I but I couldn't put him any lower because below that are guys with even more question marks or you know lesser skills. The guys like you now Chris Bryant, Yoan Moncada, those types of guys that are in that tier right behind him. I had him as like the last guy in tier two, along with uh, Nolan Arenado and uh, Austin Riley, who I'd rather have, but. I, yeah, I'm not going to go anywhere near him and his ADP. And I just pulled up uh, Fantrax ADP for all the early drafts we've had, which has been, uh, at this point, looks like at least like 10 or 12 drafts. Uh, his ADP is 52.7 right now. So, yeah, right around top 50. I'm not going there. If he fell to like 60, you know, 70 ish, 70, I think is a good spot for him. Uh, I might be on board there. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not even with the Crawford, you figured this guy, this would be a guy that would have more home runs uh, with the Crawford boxes and all of his home runs were pulled this year. Every single one of them were pulled into the Crawford boxes. So I think that definitely helps. I wonder in a you know stadium that doesn't have the Crawford boxes, what would his home run totals have looked like? Um, as I look here at, yeah, he would have had like eight home runs uh, in, Los, in Los Angeles, four in Kansas City, six in Colorado, seven if he played for Atlanta. Six in Milwaukee. Some were actually higher, but um, yeah, definitely his pull happy profile. Like the, the approach is still great. Like he has, I think he's one of the best played approaches in baseball. You know, walk rate's been above ten percent each of the last four years. K rate's been right in that 12, 14 percent range. But yeah, like you mentioned, Chris, like all the quality of contact metrics just have not been good. They've been like okay, middle of the road. Like it's all like you look at you look at the sliders is like forty third percentile, 49th percentile. You know, hard hit rate is only 33rd percentile uh, with that lower max XWO that you mentioned. And even like that 41 homer year, his X slug was only 448. It kind of just doesn't add up for the 41 homer season, but that 19 degree launch angle definitely helps. So doesn't barrel the ball well. Yeah, I'm kind of on pace right where you are with, yeah, 20 to 25 homers, good counting stats, doesn't bring any speed anymore. Um, so yeah, top 75 player, sure, top 50 or higher. I am not going anywhere near that. I just uh, don't see oh, when ahead. you look at when you look at third base, like why would you not just take Chris Bryant, who has a ton of position flexibility, right. and I, and he gives you steals, and I think they're going to have similar power and batting average. So I think yeah. Bregman probably beats him out and runs an RBI, but you know if you're going to get Bryant later, I don't see any reason not to take him over Bregman. I, exactly, and, and Bryant, I had seventh in my rankings, and it's part of his ADP ninety four or ninety five. So he's going yep. forty three picks later. So you know, three or four rounds, depending on, on 12 or 15 team or so, I would definitely, there's not a three or four round gap between these two. No way. So 2022, yeah, definitely Bryant over Bregman. Yeah, it, I think it's, yeah, it's close in general. Then you factor in the their ADPs of each of these guys. It's Chris Bryant without question. Uh, moving over to the other uh, player on the left side of this Houston infield, Carlos Correa, contract year, had, a you know, basically his best year, in his healthiest year he's had in a while. I had the second most games played of his career this year with 148. Only the time he eclipsed 140 was back in 2016 uh, when he kind of broke out there. This year, 279, 366, 485, 
slash 26 home runs, 92 RBI, 104 runs in 640 plate appearances. Uh, I'm wondering because he's another one that can't say healthy. The speed has all but evaporated since his first two years. He had 27 combined. And since then, he's had six combined and had none since 2019 uh, in 206 games combined. So can't factor in speed anymore. Average is probably, you know, 270 ish every year. He's kind of settled into that range. Solid OBP as well. He's kind of like similar to, I think, to uh, Bregman, but maybe a little less, you know, run score production, like 20, 20, 25 homer bat or so, solid runs in RBI with a 270 ish average, which is basically what Bregman is. Um, but doesn't have the speed, and who knows where he ends up. And if this contract year, he, he seems like a guy that would be like big contract year, get the new, get the big contract, and then not do anything else. So I'm, I'd be selling high personally in dynasty leagues. There was a lot of people that didn't like where I had him in my dynasty rankings. They thought I had him too low. Even I still have him like, I think in the 60s, but in terms of where I had him in, in shortstops only. Uh, so I think everyone's perceived value of Correa is higher than what he actually can produce going forward. And yeah, it depends on where he ends up, obviously. But uh, at this point, I would be selling high right now because this might be the highest his value will be for the next few years. But what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, yeah, I think I think naturally because I can't project him to play this much again. I can't project him for 640 plate appearances again, you know? And right. where does he end up? Like it's almost a guarantee that his lineup context gets worse. Like I feel like there's yeah. he I feel like there's a 90% chance he leaves Houston, which means there's a strong chance to this lineup. In, le- in like New York, maybe, but I don't see him going to New York, honestly. Yeah, unless he goes to like one of like two or three teams. Unless he goes to like Toronto, which wouldn't make sense, or Boston doesn't doesn't fit, or the Yankees. Like, yeah, unless he goes to the Yankees, that's like his one chance, I think, of or or the Dodgers, but like, yeah, it, it's slim. Yeah, I see him in Detroit, which is not a good line of context and not a good part. I've heard Detroit too. I've heard some Detroit rumblings too. Yeah. So I, Why, don't, I like, don't know, but <laughs> yeah, you saw what that did. I mean, he had a ton of doubles. You saw what that did. Nick Nicholas Castellanos, you know I mean? He was a doubles machine there. Right. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not really a fan of drafting him next year. And in dynasty, I think, I think it's a prime chance to sell high. I mean, you, you can look under the hood. I mean, he has a 293 XBA, which was pretty dang impressive. Actually, 96 percentile there but i mean even the max exit velocity 116 was at the top of the league he does a lot of things well i think there's reason to sell high because of the solid year i think all the underlying metrics support what he did but there's too risky because of injuries and the potential to leave houston and getting that you know lineup context that could not be nearly as good so yeah for those reasons I'm, i'm selling high in dynasty i don't know where his adp ends up in redraft, but most likely avoiding. Where's he at currently? Uh, he is at 72. Yeah, I think, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, but I, I feel like for dynasty purposes, I think his value, like people perceive him as like a top 50-ish guy. And I said, I don't think he's there. Like I said, the speed isn't there. I don't think he's going to be like thir- over 30 home runs, over 100 RBI. He hasn't even, I don't, he hasn't even cracked 30 in a healthy year yet. So, um and the fact that he's never healthy, like we both mentioned, um, right. even though the last two years, you know, he played 58 games last year, all but two games, you know, 148 this year. So it's been better lately, but yeah, he's just one I'm always worried about just, you know, breaking down a couple of IL stints every year for, you know, it's always like the quad and the hamstring, those types of things. So um, all those things that tend to recur more, more yeah. often than not. So 
yeah, I'm I'm kind of staying away from. I don't have I don't think any shares of Correa in any of my leagues. I didn't have any of him this year in redraft. I don't have any in dynasty. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah he's and he's one. Of, I used to be really high. I was a huge, huge Craig guy. People that have been following my work since you know for the last few years probably remember that 2017, 2018 or so. I had him like top 15 dynasty, but. I'm kind of I'm not out, but I'm just at his price tag. I'm not I'm not a Korea guy anymore. Wasn't he like uh, like top five pick after that rookie year that he popped off? Probably, or at least top ten. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. It would have it would have been after that that second year, I think, um, when he had like it was like twenty six thirteen with a bunch of counting stats. Yeah. yeah, I think I think everyone thought like that third year he was to take that stuff be like a thirty twenty type of guy, and it just never happened. That was kind of like the start of the uh, downfall. Yeah, you had a lot of Astros that did this and stopped running, like, you know, Springer. I know. Springer was a stolen base monster and it stopped running. And, you know, Altuve doesn't run. Obviously, Altuve is age-related. You know, it's interesting. I didn't realize Correa is only 26. He debuted so young. He did. He debuted at 20, I think. Yeah, he's actually – he just turned 27 at the end of the year. But next year will be his age 27 season. So, yeah, Yeah. it's pretty – that's kind of crazy. You always just – I guess because he's been around so long. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would recommend selling high if possible. Absolutely agree. Moving on to two younger guys that I think we're both very excited about. Let's start with Jordan Alvarez, who was cooking until this World Series. Uh, we saw he's now one for seventeen in the World Series. Though he's drawn like six or seven walks, so the OBP is to like four hundred or close to it. Um, but Jordan had a you know very good year. Uh, I think he erased a lot of the the concerns people had about the knees. Played 144 games, 598 plate appearances, 277, 346, 531 slash, 33 home runs, 35 doubles, 104 RBI, and 92 runs scored. And both you and I, like, we put out some tweets around the same time um, that you look at the underlying metrics for Jordan and put them up against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they're not far off. So I guess my, my question for you, Chris, do you think that Jordan can make a Vlad-like leap this upcoming year and be, you know, like a top 10 guy? Um, Possibly, but I don't think he has the power of Vlad. Like I don't see him getting to those kind of numbers, but he was. So last year or this year, excuse me, I'm saying last year, still 2021 season, technically. <laughs> and then 2021 season, only one hitter had his own contact rate, higher 90%, a hard hit rate above 45%. And that was Jordan who had a 91.1% zone contact rate and a 50 point, 54.2% hard hit rate, which was phenomenal. And I, I put out there that he was a top five hitter in baseball. I'm not talking about for fantasy, but for real baseball. And people like lost their minds over it. Like, I'm not really sure why, because the contact <laughs> skills are elite and the yeah. power is real. Like he does so many things well, and you just sit there and you wonder like, how good can he be? And as you look at his spray chart and he hits to all fields well too, which is awesome. Yep. I mean, I know he's a DH, but he showed that he could play the field. Like he played the last three games in Atlanta in the field, maybe not elite, but he, he did. And, you know, once the universal DH comes next year, we assume then you know, what's he's going to DH all the time and be fine, which kind of sucks for fantasy purposes, but he will have outfield eligibility next year, which is huge. And you just look, I mean, I, I say that he can't get to Vlad's power, but his, his average exit velocity, 93.2 miles an hour, top of the league his max ev at 116 is elite as well and he's got a great launch angle so you know i really don't see why not i think he can be a, a 300 hitter so yeah i i, I put, in my tweet that i put out i ended with would i take vlad in 2022 yes 
But I think these two are going to be very close. And uh, you know, some of the numbers I put up there, uh, hard hit rate. Uh, so every number else, I'll say Vlad first, then Jordan. Hard hit rate, 55-2, 54-2. Barrel, 15.1, 15.9. Average exit velo, 95-1, 93-2. Max, 117-4, 116-4. X Wobicon went to Jordan by 26 points. Um, X Slug was Vlad by 22 points. So, you know, they're all kind of like in the same ballpark. Jordan bested him in a couple. Vlad got him in a few as well. But yeah, maybe he won't get up to, what did Vlad have, 48 home runs this year, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, I don't. I don't see yeah, forty-eight. Yeah, I don't see Yoran getting up there, but I I could see Yoran hitting forty. I could see him being maybe like five home runs or so behind with some a similar ad, maybe you know ten to fifteen points behind an average. But yeah, I think it's gonna be close. I think he could be a borderline top ten guy uh, moving forward in twenty twenty two and beyond because you know and we see we've seen what it takes to be a top ten guy without having any speed. You got to be Nolan Arenado basically. So like forty home runs, bunch of counting stats, hitting near near three hundred. I think you're, I think you're not going to definitely do that. You mentioned all the, the contact skills that he has. The quality of contact is there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a um, a real big season for him next year, even bigger than this year. I'd say like 40, 110, 100, 100 runs, 285, 290 or something like that, uh, 360 or so OBP. I think it's going to be a nice step forward for Jordan next year. Uh, same thing I think can be said for this guy who led the American League in a lot of categories after May 1st. Uh, Kyle Tucker, he led the American League in average on base. Uh, was I think yeah, slugging as well. Woba and WRC plus after May first, he was a, he was better than better than Vlad outside of the you know, home runs and RBIs from uh, May first on. Tucker finished with a uh, two ninety four, three fifty nine, five fifty seven slash thirty home runs, fourteen steals, ninety two RBI, eighty three runs in just one hundred and forty games. So. Almost like a 35-18 type of pace, 90 runs, 100 RBI. I think, and that was all hitting like 6th or 7th. Like, I think 80-plus percent of his at-bats came out of the 6th or 7th spot in the lineup. You got to figure with Correa gone, Brantley probably gone. You know, he's another year older, so Dusty will like him a little more. <laughs> you figure he moves up to at least 5th or 4th or 3rd in the order, one of those spots. So, I think it's going to be a huge, huge year for Kyle Tucker. He was one of the few guys that had, you know, XBA over 300 and an X slug over 550. There was only a handful of those guys, guys like Soto, um, those types of guys, Freeman was another. So um, yeah, it's all there for Kyle Tucker. And I, I hope the speed doesn't fall off for him. Um, like it has with other Houston guys that you mentioned, Chris, but yeah, I think 30, I think there's a chance of a 35, 20 season next year, hitting 300 with 200 plus runs in RBI. I think he, I think he could be a top five player uh, in 2022, but what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, you know, if you're listening, Jake Devereaux, I just want you to remember in, in the 2020 <laughs> season when I on the five tool pod when I said you should buy low on him and look at him now, baby. Trust so. me, I have I have not let Jake forget that. No, nah. J- Jake knows. <laughs> yeah. And you have to guess, like, how many? I mean, Steamer projects him for 616 plate appearances next year, and you look and almost all of his plate. So he had. T- 250 out of the six hole and, and 147 out of the seven hole. So, you know, 400 of those plate appearances this year were in the six or seven spot. I, I, he's like a two. He's like a perfect two in that lineup. And yeah. so maybe, maybe if Brantley's not there, Brantley doesn't resign. And you know, if Correa goes, he's hitting behind Altuve. That's a pretty good spot to hit, especially if you've got, you know, Jordan behind you. So that's an attractive spot. And I think those counting stats really tick up. 
even though this year you still saw he had 83 runs and 92 RBI, no reason he can't go 100-100 next year. I mean, he yeah. played played 140 games. I think he easily bumps up to 640 plate appearances or more. So, yeah, I mean, I'm on board all day. He looked 30 home runs this year with just 567, 14 stolen bases. Same number, you know. So I think that could tick up. The batting average definitely improved. And he he made tangible changes too. Like, you know, he and a lot of people's knock was that he couldn't hit breaking balls. And he totally improved against those. Off-speed pitches hit 311 against him this year. You know, what's interesting though is his he hit 236 against breaking balls, which was obviously improved from the last two years, but his XBA against them this year was 279. So great fastball hitter. I'm a big fan. I mean, he really didn't whiff that much against breaking balls in, in consideration comparison to the past, especially like he made a lot of improvements and yeah, he, he's kind of unorthodox at the plate. He runs kind of funky, but it works. I mean, shoot, he gets the job done. He's got the sprint speed. It's good enough to steal 10 bags. He's got the power. So now that the hit tools came along, I'm all on board. Obviously, I am as well. Everyone should know that. I, I love Kyle Tucker. Um, like I said, he is he checks off all the boxes. He's consistently improved his approach. Like this year, career best walk rate, career best tied for a career best strikeout rate, 18.1%. That was down from 21.8 last year and 23.4 the year before that. Just consistently gotten better at the plate. The power has come along. He doesn't really have any struggles against any pitch type. When 258 is the your worst batting average against one of the three pitch classifications, that's pretty damn good there. Doesn't have the high whiff rates at all. Contact rates are good. Yeah, everything's in place for a huge season from Tucker. I just hope he continues to run. Uh, and the, if he, he should move up. And then you add in a good 60, 70, 80 more plate appearances to what he already did this year. I'm just ugh, I, I'm salivating at what Kyle Tucker could do next year. When in that mock draft, everyone remembers that mock draft we did a few weeks ago, the first two round mock. Uh, Casey Bubba took Tucker sixth overall. Love it. I love Kyle Tucker. Looking at just outfielders in general next year, I think the only ones I would 100% take over him are Juan Soto, Tatis, if he's eligible there in your league, and if Acuna's healthy. I think Tucker's, you know, Bryce Harper's right there with Tucker. Um, in my rankings, but yeah, I think he's going to be top five outfielder, top 10 player next year for sure. Uh, yeah, so definitely all in on Tucker. He is the real deal. One last Houston Astro here, moving over to the pitching side of things. And we've, we've already talked to Luis Garcia. We talked about him, uh, I think, last week with, with uh, Brendan Tuma in our rookie review episode. Uh, moving over to Lance McCullers Jr. here, who was dealing with an injury, a uh, very talented arm. I think there's no doubting the talent here. But just where, you know, how we value him moving forward with um, the injury he currently has. And it's not like this is the first injury he's had. He's dealt with injuries throughout his career. Um, but where do you think, you know, he has a flexor pronator muscle, a strained flexor pronator muscle in the right forearm. We all know we put the word strain and forearm in the same sentence. That's usually, you know, murky waters there might lead to Tommy John surgery, which has not been said, but you never know with these types of injuries. So, Chris, how are you uh, evaluating, or excuse me, valuing Lance McCullers Jr. this year or moving forward? 316 ERA, you know, good strikeout rate, walk rate's always been kind of weird, but or high, I should say. Uh, but how are you valuing him moving forward? Man, that's so tough because he was so good this year. And like obviously, like I really wanted 
to buy in for next year, but this injury makes it kind of murky. Like, I don't really know. Obviously he hadn't been available to pitch in um, for the postseason. I know he pitched a little bit in the first round, I think, but I don't know. I mean, 162 innings this year was great. 10 more in the postseason, which was, you know, I think more than most people projected. And that's pretty solid in today's environment. So if he was healthy, you look and you might could project him for like 175, which would be, be huge. But right now it's kind of hard to, to project anything on him because, you know, what is the final outcome of all this? You know, I don't really know. And that's the tough thing. So I, I really have no clue what to do with him because, you know, it was first maybe he'll pitch again in the postseason and then going to miss the ALCS, maybe pitch in the World Series and going to miss the World Series. So how long does this keep going on? Do they try to ride right. it out all off season? And then he, does he get TJ like in the spring? You know, that's highly possible that that happens. So, man, I don't know. Like I've always been a McCullers guy. had him on a lot of teams this year. I'd love to have him again next year, but I just can't really get myself to buy in. And in Dynasty, you're going to have a hard time getting someone to buy him right now. But you looked last year, there was only four pitchers in baseball that had a strikeout rate over 25% and a ground ball rate above 50%. And he was one of those. The others being Logan Webb, Ranger Suarez, which is interesting, and Alex Wood, also interesting. So good combo there of strikeouts and ground balls, which you know I really like, but... Man, I just want to know that he's healthy. Like, it's probably a situation where I don't really draft him until I see him healthy in the spring. Even still, that's going to be concerning. Like, what if he throws some in the spring and then ends up having to get surgery for the season? I don't know, man. It's it's a tough spot to be. Yeah, it's it's risky for sure. I've always been intrigued by him because the stuff is there, and you know, sinker curveball mix mostly added that slider this year, which was very very good. 150 batting average against, 244 slug, 35.9% whiff rate, had three offerings, oh, technically four if you add the cutter, but he only threw that 40 times for a 1.4% usage rate, so I'm not really counting that. But for, for pitches, he actually threw three offerings with a th- right around 35, 6 to 38% whiff rate. Not many pitchers in baseball can, can say that. Yeah, the sinker got hit a bit hard, 293 batting average against, 476 slug. Um, so that the pitch does need to improve more so his location of the pitch, but yeah, the three secondaries slider curve change up all very good. But then again, the walk rate, like I mentioned was high 11.1%, not like deathly high, but that's not great either. All of his, you know, the ERA indicators kind of were 0.3 to 0.5 higher than his 316 ERA. So yeah, he's, he's a hard one to value. Actually, I don't have many shares of him, but I guess if I did, I'd kind of hold right now, unless you can get, someone's not scared away by the injury i'd be okay trading him um but that's you know if not i'd probably hold uh that's a wrap up houston though we'll go take a quick break here come back on the other side and get into chris's atlanta braves who currently are up three nothing in the bottom of the third so don't go anywhere all right welcome back from the break talking some atlanta braves some houston astros here uh, as the World Series goes on next to us in Game 6, uh, Atlanta currently up 3 nothing, bottom 3. Let's get into the Atlanta Braves now. We have a few players to talk about, then we'll get into our listener mailbag question for the last 20 minutes or so of the show. Let's start with a couple pitchers. Let's start with the guy that's on the hill tonight. Max Freed, kind of an up-and-down year, but more so up. But started off kind of a little rocky, but really kind of got better as the season went on. Finished with a 304 ERA and 165 and two-thirds innings, 109 whip, 
FIP was 331. All the ERA indicators are pretty solid as well. Still, you know, a little under a strikeout per inning, 158 strikeouts and 165 and two-thirds innings. But outside of that, you know, this is a guy that's been really good ratios the last couple of years. ERA under three combined over the last two years, which is 39 starts for him. So where do you have Freed moving forward, Chris? Do you think he can get to that, you know, kind of back-end ace level? Or is he more like a, just a solid number two for you moving forward? Yeah, I think he stays that that number two range just because of the strikeouts. Even though, you know, he was super elite in the second half. He had a, a 4.71 ERA in the first half. And then the second half in 93 innings, a 1.740 ERA. So he just really turned it on. But even still, he only struck out 86 batters in those 93 innings. And it's tough because I don't really see the strikeouts ticking up. I mean, shoot, if he keeps pumping the fastball like he is tonight, then, <laughs> yeah, then right. maybe because he's out pumping 97, 98. Average 94 this year. His fastball velo has increased pretty steadily each year, which is definitely encouraging. You know, it's not something that's guaranteed him to take another step forward next year, but, you know, you do like to see that continually trending upwards. And I think he's just, a, he's got the well rounded arsenal and he gets the job done. And I think people were ready to drop him after the, the rough start, but what he does well is limits hard contact. He, he, he limits hard contact. He generates ground balls, and then it makes up for the lack of whiffs, in my opinion. And he strikes out enough guys to to be a solid fantasy starter, but he's never going to reach the ace level. Like I just don't see the whiff rate ticking up. I don't see really anything in the profile suggesting that the strikeouts get better, but it could be wrong. I mean, he could benefit from some more called strikes maybe, and that happened, but even still, his CSW is just 28% this year, which is – little below average, but that's fine. I mean, it, it plays. I mean, he, he just controls contact well enough to be a solid starter. The the command got better this year, in my opinion. He walked less guys. He he was commanding, and especially in the second half, he commanded the pitcher the pitches a lot better. So all these factors kind of played in. And, you know, maybe he gets up to a 25% K rate. I think that could be solid. But, you know, even even without, if he, if he sticks at 23.5%, and he pitches to a mid three ZRA. I think that's a solid number two type guy. Yeah, and I do think there's a little bit more K upside. He's got the, the two good breaking balls, the curveball, which he threw twenty about twenty six percent of the time, and the slider about twenty two percent of the time. Both have a width rate above thirty percent this year. Thirty point one on the slider, thirty four eight on the on the curveball. So, um, and both had you know solid batting average against as well. So I think there can be – I think he can get up 25 26%, probably not more than that. I don't think he's ever like a 28 29% guy. But yeah, 25 26% I think is realistic. And like you mentioned, limits hard contact very well. Uh, everything except for the sinker was under 85 – actually, 86 mile an hour average exit velo this year, uh, including the four-seamer, which is 85-7. So, yeah, I think definitely a very good number two, a guy that I think you can rely on. Yeah, yeah, he had that kind of shaky – first half of the year but you know overall i think he's a guy you can rely on as a kind of a high floor number two starter and if you get a guy that's got crazy you know strikeouts and is your ace like a uh, corbin burns or, or garrett cole or someone like that or basically every ace i should say at this point they all have crazy key rates at this point but uh yeah i'd be fine getting him as my two a guy that can get me some wins some quality starts a decent enough k rate good ratios to kind of help stabilize those i'd definitely be okay with him as my two uh, real quick, I'll put you on the spot. 2022 and beyond for both. So two-part question. Freed or Logan Webb? Who you got? Yeah, Freed. I mean, he's just done it more consistently. I know the consensus will probably be Logan Webb. Like if you put out a poll, I think the majority of people would say that. But 
yeah, I just trust Freed more. And I think we've seen the longer track record of him being a solid arm. So uh, I, it's a pretty easy Freed for me. All right. And I'm assuming you take Freed over Ian, Ian Anderson as well. Yeah, definitely. I like Anderson, but you know, there's, there's still some holes in this game. So. All right, moving over to uh, a pitcher a lot older than Max Freed, a guy that is going to be 38 in about a week and a half. But if you look at his baseball reference page, looks 58, uh, but still pitches like he's 28. That's Charlie Morton, a uh, guy that, you know, unfortunately had a, the fractured fibula, uh, putting him out of the rest of these playoffs. Obviously, he had surgery on it. Man, what? I think the series would be over if that didn't happen. Like having him start in game. What would he have been in game? He would have started five. five. Yeah. yeah, that would that would have been a huge difference outside of having Tucker Davidson oh, start. Yeah. Well, Oof. yeah, you can imagine you go up four zero in the first inning, and then you have Morton come in, and not Tucker Davidson. So, yeah, you know you're you're yeah. pitching way ahead. Davidson just didn't have it. So you know that's that's killer not having him. So tough, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, but you know he is coming back next year. He's signed through. Uh, he had an extension, so I think he's what, one more year. I think it was or two more years. Uh, they signed, they extended him for one year with an option for twenty twenty three. That's so. what that's what it was. Okay, so at, at least one more year. And Morton has just been, you know, not not a late career bloomer though. He did he did actually kind of was you know got good around age twenty nine thirty, then kind of slumped again. But the last few seasons outside of twenty twenty, take away twenty twenty, he's had three straight years. Under a 3.4 ERA, under a 116 whip. The K rate starting in 2017 or 2016, excuse me, really started ticking up there. Um, I, you know, obviously, Dynasty, you know, if you're in a rebuild, you're not even looking at a guy like Charlie Morton. But I think if you're a contender and the team, maybe a team that isn't necessarily a contender in your league or maybe lower than, than you in the standings has Morton. He's a great trade target because it won't take more than you know a low level or mid level prospect to get him. Probably somebody you won't be too hurt that you're trading away. And I think Morton still still got it in there for another year or two of some pretty solid numbers here. Like he is just having a he's kind of like you know Joey Votto, but on the pitching side of things, just still very good at a, at 37, 38 years old. So I'd be buying him if I could to get, get him for a, you know a prospect or so, and and for next year. Yeah, so assuming he's fully healthy by opening day, which he should be, and uh, you know, assuming nothing was wrong here, I think he can be a nice, you know, S- high end SP three. I have him as my number thirty three pitcher for next year, three spots behind Max Fried. So, what are your thoughts here on Charlie Borton for next year, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. I mean, he showed durability this year. He pitched 185 innings plus 16.2 in the postseason, so he eclipsed 200 innings this year at 37 years old. It's pretty impressive. He's durable. I think, you know, it's funny. We look back to the 2020 season and everybody thought he was going to retire after the rough year and people kind of wrote him off and he was just, you know, came back this year, stellar, stellar, stellar with Atlanta. I think he has all the the tools to get done. I think we're seeing more and more pitchers be able to perform at a high level deeper into their career. And I don't know if that's like a training regiment type thing that we're seeing breakthroughs in training type things or what it is. But I mean, Morton's got, a decent amount of mileage on his arm, but it doesn't really matter because he's you know, still going out there and, and getting the job done. And and we're seeing, I mean, this would have been, I don't know how many he threw in the 2019 postseason, but this was right there with the, the career high. I mean, it was the second highest regular season innings total 
And then I mean, he threw 194 in 2019. You have to figure he threw, pitched in the postseason some, so he probably had more that year. But let's see, see these career high innings this late in his career is awesome, and I, I think he's capable of continuing to do it. And you mentioned in dynasty leagues, like, what's he going to cost you? Like a a fringe top 100 prospect? Like, you're not going to miss out on that. So right. I'm more than open to doing that and making the deal. He's he limited hard contact pretty well this year. Everything across the board, you look at his stat cast sliders were were really good, really red. So it's everything you like to see. And so, yeah, I don't know where his ADP ends up. Obviously, out with a, a broken leg that obviously sucked that we lost him on the, the World Series. But he'll be back, and he'll be ready for spring training. So I think he'll be fine. As of now, his – whoa. Morton's ADP, 63.3. That's higher than I thought it would be. Dang. We'll see See where that ends up. Um, and then just for let's look at some of the guys. Freed is 68, 68.4. Uh, and Ian Anderson, just for just to look here, is at uh, there's too many Andersons here. 126. So, yeah, good few runs lower. But, yeah, both uh, both these Braves arms here in round like five territory in 15 team, which I think is uh, – you know, maybe I don't know, maybe a little high for my liking, but not not too bad. I think that's a solid range for both of them. Uh, moving over to the hitting side of things here, Jorge Soler was an absolute godsend for this Atlanta team midseason after losing several you know bats to various reasons. They added him, they added Rosario, they added Jock Patterson. All three have been. Uh, I don't think they're where they are now without all three of these guys coming in and doing what they did. For Solaire in particular, hit 269, uh, 358 OBP, 524 slug, with 14 home runs in 242 play appearances after coming over via trade. And this is after a 192, 288, 370 slash in Kansas City. Still had 13 home runs and 360 play appearances, but yeah, he was just absolutely lost. And all, and also, you know, he only hit 228 in 2020. So I think that once you saw what he did in 2020, add in the first half of 2021. We were like, all right, was that 2019 a fluke? And I still don't think he's ever going to get back to that 2019 level where he had 48 home runs and 117 RBI to go with the 265 average. But I think if he can settle in as like a like a Fran Mill Reyes kind of type with a you know 250, 260 ish average, uh, maybe maybe a touch lower, 240, 250, but you know 35 or so homers annually with some solid counting stats. I think he can settle in as like a top 125, top 150 option. Kind of yeah, right, right in the similar range to Framel Reyes. But uh, are you buying, you know, you, you watch more Braves games than I did this year. Are you buying the resurgence we've seen from Jorge Soler? Yeah, I think so. I think I think we're looking at the exact type of hitter he is. He's probably like a 260, 270 hitter that can easily hit 30 home runs. And I'm not, the Braves went up 3-0. You were talking, so I don't know if you saw it, but they went up 3-0 because he hit a three-run homer over the train tracks. Like, it was a monster. It listed at yeah. 446, but that thing went way further than that. I don't, I don't really I, care I what did, they say. I, I saw it happen after. I forgot to mention it, but I, I missed it actually happening. Yeah, yeah. you were talking <laughs> about somebody. I was like, holy crap, he just tanked that. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but I, I think – I wonder if him just getting out of Kansas City was a, a thing for him. I mean, getting on a contending team and made all the difference in the world, so – yeah, I mean, the zone contact solid. His overall contact rate is actually a career best this year. So there's been tangible improvements. And, you know, I don't I don't see – I'd love for the Braves to re-sign him, actually. He's a free agent. So I'd love to see him stick. You could play Acuna in center. You could play 
him and Wright, you know, I'd be all for that. So that'd be interesting. I guess in a lot, a lot depends on the Ozuna situation. Not really sure what ends up happening there, but I could definitely see them making a run to resign. I think he really enjoys being with the team. And again, being in this lineup has, has been great for him. So yeah, I think if, if he was being drafted around pick 125 and he had a secure lineup spot on a good team like the Braves, I'd take him. That's interesting. Let's see where his ADP currently is. Oh, wow. Okay, his ADP is obviously very, very early. It, it's November 2nd. Uh, and this is Fantrax ADP we're using here. So NFPC would be different, obviously. But 175. That's uh, it's a very in- intriguing spot for him. Yeah, I'm actually not surprised. I bet it'll go up a little. It'll trend upwards. But I think 150. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think maybe people – and well, who knows? I mean, if he wins World Series MVP, if the Braves end up winning it, he, he's – probably going to win MVP. He's got three home runs a series. So yeah. uh, that may, that may push the stock up a little bit. Oh yeah. It usually does. But you just look at his, his quality of contact numbers have always been good. You know, he said a, a hard hit rate at 47% or above each of the last three years and kind of sneakily. Is that even a word sneakily? I don't know. <laughs> I don't it, know. it works. It, it is now I'm making it a word. Um, he, he's always had like, his, look at his walk rate. Very, very, it's almost like, Chris Davis level of consistency. I mean, it's not the same every year, but last five years, 10-9, uh, right around 11% every year. And the K rate has dropped this year to 23.6%, which was, you know, I don't know if it's career best, but I only have a savant um, metrics for sure. to go back to 2015, but it's a career best for him in the savant uh, era of stack guys. So uh, kind of made some quiet improvements at the plate this year to go along with his elite quality of contact metrics, which are always like top, Top 10, top 15% of the league. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that definitely a Fran Mill Reyes type of profile moving forward is very valid. Uh, last Atlanta player we're talking to talk about here, a guy that's having a tough World Series. He had the one big home run, but outside of that, it's been tough at the plate, tough in the field, had a couple errors. Dansby Swanson, overall this year, another guy that had an up and down year, finished 248, 311, 449, but did have 27 home runs, 88 RBI. 78 runs and nine steals. You know, look at his underlying metrics. You know, doesn't really have a lot that stands out. He does have an 82nd percentile sprint speed. You know, but all of his quality of contact metrics are like average to slightly above average. Did have a nice 42.7% hard hit rate. Uh, but average exit velo 89.3. Max only 109.6, which is actually the highest of his career, which is, you know, not great. So... I guess the question I have moving forward, especially at this loaded shortstop position, that's just going to keep adding talent, Bobby Witt Jr. and, and others coming up here in the next couple of years. Is Swanson a viable long-term starter at the position? And, you know, in 12 and 15 teamers, I think he's right in that back end range. Cause I think a lot of what he did this year is valid, like 25 to 30 homer bats, you know, solid counting stats in Atlanta's lineup, adding a little bit of speed here, but, the average has kind of fluctuated throughout his career. So that, that's the one thing, one kind of pause I have with Swanson. But overall, I do like him. So I think he is a uh, solid back end, you know, in that 12 to 15 range. But what, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, he just had a fluctuating BABIP his whole career, which is interesting. I mean, mm. that's the that's the biggest thing is BABIP's just all over the board. We've seen it. So, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a 300 hitter like we, we maybe once thought. But I think that, you know, and since Steeman projects him at 244, which is strange when you look at his, especially his last three years. I know he hit 248 this year, but 244 seems pretty low there. I think he's like a 260 type hitter, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. And 
and he was in the middle of the breakout in 2019 and he got injured and it kind of derailed his season. Like he had 17 home runs at the all-star break in 2019. So he was well on his way to that career breakout year, ended up getting hurt, missed some time. And he never came back the same. And, you know, last year was, was a solid year. I mean, again, he played all 60 games and he hit 10 home runs, stole five bases. So, you know, again, he paced there for 27 home runs and you know 12 stolen bases way to do this year 27 home runs nine stolen bases the average just dropped down a little bit but his babbitt was also way down so at 297 but again you look at his career babbitt was 305 but he's had years where it's you know 350 he's had years where it's 297 like this year 290 in 2018 so hard to project him honestly yeah i think steamer's really low on him at 20 home runs and nine stolen bases in 244 i think he's a viable 15 team league shortstop starter but shoot, if you want to get him in the middle infield, then perfect because I think that he's going to be drafted still later than than most. I think shortstop's so deep. I think his ADP's outside the top 100, if I had to guess. Curious where it is now, but uh, I think yeah, that's a viable it's, spot. Well, again, early, but 142. Okay. I like I'd say that. 120. 120 is probably a reasonable spot. Yeah, I mean, again, he's 27 years old. He's added power throughout his career. He's played. He's durable. There's a lot of reasons to buy into him, honestly, even though even though there is some up and downs like we've seen throughout this season, like he had his highs and he had his lows, but in a road league, it all balances out. So, like, that's totally fine with me. All right, we're, we're going to play a quick game here of who you got, a shortstop edition for, for just 2022 only. Because uh, there's some interesting names around him and ADP that are all kind of near him where I, I have him as my 14th shortstop for, for uh, 2022. So let's go, Chris. You got Dansby or Jorge Polanco for 2022. Oh, oh that's tough. <laughs> I, I don't really. They're, they're, they're back to back in my rankings, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't buy into Polanco's power as much, which I've seen some people think he's a third rounder, which to me is. That, that's, no chance. No, insane. Yeah. So in my opinion, you saw Polanco this year. He sold out for power. His bad never tanked. Like he's always been a bad never type guy. So to me, I'm still leaning Swanson, but I do think it's close. I, I see them in similar spots. Yeah, agreed. I I would all I have Swanson 14 and Polanco 15, so I will go Swanson as well. Uh, a couple more here. You got Swanson or Jake Cronenworth? Uh, probably Cronenworth actually, because the flexibility position wise. Yeah, that definitely helps. Uh, I, I'll actually I'll lean Swanson, but it's very close for me. Uh, Swanson or Willie Adames? Uh, Adames, just because you you look at what he's done his career outside of the trop and what he did in Milwaukee. I think that he's actually really legit, and I think that he could be a, a top ten shortstop, which is crazy. Agreed. I, I think he can do what Swanson's doing, but with a higher batting average. So. Yeah, I have Adamez ahead of Swanson, but his ADP is actually four spots below Swanson so far in, in early fan tracks drafts for next year. Uh, let's do... Actually, yeah, so those are all guys that are really... In, uh, how about uh, Swanson or Jazz Chisholm? Swanson, I think... Well, that's tough. I mean, Jazz power speed's pretty intriguing, but he's so volatile. Man, I have no clue. I don't know. I'm kind of torn there. I probably actually lean Chisholm due to the speed because I think he's 20-20 and... Who knows what what kind of bad average he gives you? He might hit higher average than Swanson, but it's hard to hard to know for sure. Yeah, I know he's one of the bigger boomer bust players at at this position next year. We'll end with a very interesting one here. Last one, 
because his ADP is currently, I know this will change, but 25 or so spots ahead of of uh, Dansby Swanson at ADP 120. You got Swanson or Bobby Witt Jr. for 2022. Oh, man. That's so <laughs> tough, I, isn't it? Yeah, because who knows when, like, what are the Royals even going to do with him? Like, When's he going to come up? Like, Prop- he should have been up opening day this year. Yeah. Let's say, you know, similar, you know, timeline to like Jared Kalnick. So, what, like end of end of April, beginning of May. So, say, let's say you get five months out of uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Who are you taking? I, probably Swanson. I mean, yeah, Witt, Witt is by and far the more talented player. But I think there's going to be an adjustment period, as we've seen with a lot of prospects. So, I'd probably lean Swanson for redraft. So uh, that's so tough though, because Wick could easily be 25 25 and he's got right. a solid hit tool. But I just think there's going to be an adjustment period that takes a little time. I think Steamer had him 23 17 or no, 23 15 or something like that. They had him something crazy. Like, yeah, which is, I think I, I even said it. I think it's possible he goes, you know, like 2020 this year, but obviously he's a rookie. Even some of the top rookies have struggled. So yeah. um, I, I would take 267 okay. and you're right, 23 17. Okay, which I think is realistic. I would not be surprised if he did that, but I don't know. I'm trying to shift shift away from that type of like, oh, go for the flash. Obviously, wits the flash here, right? He's Swanson is like a um, uh, compared to cars here. Swanson's like a. Yeah, I'll, I'll use my own car. He's like a he's like a Honda Civic, really good car, reliable, <laughs> um, you know, above average car. But Wits like you know a Ro- not a Rolls Royce but like a uh, like a BMW or something. Yeah. He's definitely the more flashy. You see it drive by like you see me drive by my Honda. See someone else drive by <laughs> in the BMW. You're looking at the BMW, right? I know that. Um, so obviously the the flashier, the sexier pick would be Whip. But yeah, I'll go Swanson's. I think he's a, a safer bet to return top 100 value next year than Bobby Whip. Obviously long term, it's it's Whip by a mile. But yeah, I'll go uh, I'll go Whip for excuse me Swanson's for 2022. Let's move over to our last segment here, our listener questions. Chris, you, you wanna you wanna read these off here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the first one's actually from um, a member of our Patreon, the, <clears throat> the Fantrax Toolshed Patreon, Mike McLeod. He asked, "How should we value Heston Kerstad moving forward?" And we know that Kerstad's obviously gone through a lot of stuff off the field, which has been detrimental to him with heart issues. He had some heart inflammation issues, and that flared back up in June, which pretty much derailed any chance of him playing this year. He is participating in fall instructs, which is encouraging. Obviously really haven't heard how he's doing there or even if he's actually started, but he did take part in instructional ball. So hopefully that's a big thing for him moving forward. These conditions like this are, man, it's so tough to see in players. And we saw obviously his Oriole teammate, Trey Mancini, with, with cancer and and now with Kerstad dealing with a heart issue, it's really tough. And so how are we valuing Hestic Kerstad? What are your thoughts? It's hard. The heart issues, that's so – like uh, Erod had some heart issues. It's so hard to really, you know, find a value for him, you know, with that going on. But if you just look at the skills, which – you know, obviously haven't really changed since he was drafted, you know, around a 50 hit tool plus power potential, you know, maybe a little bit of speed, you know, adding in like five to eight steals a year. So I think he can be like a 260, 270 ish hitter 
with 30 plus home runs and a handful of steals sprinkled in if everything clicks. And I have, you know, I have faith in the, the Baltimore Orioles player development. And you've seen a lot of these guys on the rise. And I think it was either Baseball America or MLB Pipeline. I forget which one had them as the best farm system in baseball, which I don't quite agree with. But I think they're no doubt top 10, maybe even top five uh, right now. So definitely a good system to be in, especially on, on the hitting side of things. So he's a guy that I, I would buy because I think maybe people have not, not necessarily forgotten about him, but. I think he's kind of just kind of fallen off the radar a bit because he hasn't hasn't really played. So uh, I would definitely try to buy low on him. I have him as my one, number one sixty three in my prospect rankings, but I think he could, you know, if he comes back next year and shows that, you know, what he showed coming, uh, you know, out of uh, out of Arkansas into the draft, I think he could be a top one hundred guy easily. So a n- nice buy right now in dynasty leagues for me. Yeah, I kind of agree with that statement. I think that he's the value is tanked, and you know. I think you're right in the aspect of people just haven't thought about him much because he hasn't been playing. So that gives you a good buying opportunity. He was in the middle of a breakout season in 2020 at Arkansas before the shutdown happened. I don't think anyone expected him to go as high as he did in the draft when Baltimore took him number two. But, you know, that was the, the surprise of that draft. And I think that he gets back there. I mean, I think Baltimore can continue to develop him. So he played the highest competition, the level of competition in the SEC. So, I'm on board, and I think that, yeah, I probably wasn't as high on him as most like at one point, but I think now creates a good opportunity, even with some questions. So I think it's encouraging to hear that he's participating in instructs. I think that's a big step forward because this has been a long – this has been a year now that he dealt with this. This was last November that he dealt first with the heart issues, and so, man, it's been tough to see, and so hopefully he bounces back. Now, this one's a fun one. This one's from Beck, also in our our Discord Patreon member. He said, which prospects outside of the top 100 or 150 could make big jumps next year? Like, I guess he also mentioned, like, from an upside standpoint, like, which prospects that are not in our top 100, 150 range have the most upside that could really make a jump, you know, way up boards next season, which is a fun question. It definitely is. I I was just going through my rankings here, and, uh, I, I got several. We don't have to go like super, super deep uh, into these, but just some names I have checked off here. Uh, I'll start uh, the highest ones I have. I think all the Cleveland guys, Cleveland arms are going to keep rising. Guys like uh, Peyton Battenfield, Logan T. Allen. Uh, I think Evan Williams will be a big riser next year once he get, gets in the game action. So uh, all on board on that train. Uh, Matt Allen, I think once he gets back from, from injury, uh, he's a guy that's just, you know, I think he would have been like maybe. He could be a top 50 prospect if he didn't get hurt. So uh, another name that is, I think, going to be a big riser next year. Some other names I have checked off here. I'm a big James Wood guy. I know he's very boomer bust, but he's a you know LeBron-sized outfielder with power and speed. We'll see how the hit tool comes along. Jose Salas, uh, very high on him, middle infielder from the Miami Marlins. Nice little power speed blend, solid hit tool as well. Ronnie White Jr., super toolsy Pittsburgh outfielder from this past draft. I think he could be a big riser if he shows well in his first year. A guy from your Atlanta Braves, Vaughn Grissom, I think is going to be a hot name uh, in 2022. And he just went top 100 overall in my uh, P180P mock that Chris Welsh put on. Uh, Vinny Pasquatino from the Royals. Your, your boy, Ricky Palacios, I think is going to be a big riser next year. Kyle Storrs, another guy we saw. Uh, last, James Triantos, guy that's already raised the stock a good amount. Since the draft, I think he's a big, big riser as well. Who's some guys you got? Yeah, Palacios is one for me. I'm, you know, the hit tool is definitely there. He's got power developing as well, so that's a big one. 
Um, just going down the list. Kobe Mayo is one I think is going to really pop. He had a yep. great year, a lot of Agreed. power. So he's one that will really jump. Triantos is another one that has flown way, way, way up for me. Let me be surprised if Dylan Dingler, you look at the catchers that have really moved up. And I think Dingler's one that will continue to move up and show, you know, he, I think he's pretty solid all around type guy. Jay Allen from this draft class has really, you know, had a great debut. And if that continues, obviously he'll, Soar up because we didn't expect the power, and he's always had the hit and speed aspect. Victor Acosta with San Diego, he's 17 years old and was was dominating this year. So love to see that. Those are a couple that kind of popped to me. Jose Salas, DJ Hurst, a couple more. I know you said Salas, so um, yeah, pretty I like fun Hurst there. Too, yeah. Yep. So those are two that could really move up, and there, there's a lot of names, man. That you know, you look for the upside, and I look for the upside plus the hit tool. So. You, you see the tools and you also want to see the hit tool as well. So that's what I love about Palacios is that he has the hit tool. And I'll go one more. I, a pitcher that has, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in the stats of the AFL, but with how good the hitter quality is there and how really, I'd say, bad the pitching's been. I know where you're really going st- with this. Cole Henry. Was that oh, I it? Thought, I, th- I thought you were going Owen White. Nope. Owen White's been really good too. But yeah, Cole, Cole Henry's, Henry's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Cole Henry and he's looked highly, highly impressive. Dansby just hit a big bomb. It's five nothing Atlanta, so I'm very happy. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's hope five that, five runs on three hits. Yep. Let's hope we can continue this. So yeah, that uh, those are some prospects that I think can really rise up. And yeah, those are what we're looking for. So let's see. Looking at the first year player draft this year, this is from Carl Laflame on Twitter. Outside of the first round of this year's draft, who are the two three players that you are most excited about? Uh, I've already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Lonnie White was uh, 64th overall pick, super high power speed, and then James Wood was 62nd. I think you know they're got two of the highest upsides in this draft, but obviously lower floors. I've been a big Christian Franklin guy, outfielder from Arkansas. Um, went to the Cubs, pick 123 in the fourth round. There's some strikeout concerns there. Want you know kind of hit tool questions, but nice power speed blend. Cubs have developed hitting prospects very well. Uh, a lot, lot of intrigue, like Zach Galoff from Virginia. I uh, went second round, pick 60 to Oakland Athletics. I uh, like him a good amount. Bubba Chandler is just another, you know, toolsy guy that I think could. And then I like, uh, you know, some people are kind of down on him, but I like Justice Thompson. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a North Carolina guy, but he went pick 180 to the red. So uh, maybe it's like a nice late round target. So I'd definitely be looking at him as well. Yeah. Ben Coderna, obviously, we saw, we got to see oh, Coderna, him. Oh, yeah. Yep, so he was second rounder to the Royals, and obviously everybody's hype about Mazzucato. I mean, you got Kadern out there pumping 97 with good secondaries, and I think that's one to get excited about. Uh, Robert Gasser from the Padres, uh, he yes. went competitive balance B at 71 overall out of Houston. He was very, very dominant, has a good good pitch mix. You know, Detroit had a great draft again. People will look back, but I think that Dylan Smith, who actually followed at pick 74, is an intriguing guy there. He's was dominant at Alabama SEC level. So pretty excited about him. Jose Torres out of NC State. He was 89 overall to the Reds. Had a great start to his career this year and always liked. And I'll go back to the, the Royals again. Their fourth round pitcher, Shane Panzini, who another guy who's really popping off this year. So a couple of those guys I think could really pop. And I'm excited to watch. There's there's a lot of fun names here and you will continue to see this more and more as they continue to get more reps and we see them more and more so that's fun good question there uh next question 
What do the Braves do with Drew Waters and Christian Pache? So obviously we know Acuna will be back next year. And definitely by May. Hopefully he'll be back earlier. I have my hopes that you know we look at guys and how they recover like pro athletes. I think he could be back before May. I'll be optimistic on that one. And then obviously they've got guys like they've got this year with Soler, Rosario Duvall, Jock Pedersen, Ozuna. Who knows what happens there? There's a lot of question marks still. So how will their MLB development playing time be affected if they re-sign a couple of these guys? This is from Kellen Altman on Twitter. Obviously, I know he's a Braves fan as well. So, my man, let's hope we finish this out. It's interesting. Um, Waters has regressed, I think. And maybe it's not even regression. It's just not meeting the expectations that we once thought. Mm-hmm. And so, he's really fallen out of favor. And I wish that the Braves would have traded Waters, personally. Like, the point when he was a top 20 prospect, like, they really should have traded him and, and sold high there. But I think they were concerned, too, after we saw what happened with, like, the development of Austin Riley. We keep seeing these guys like develop and perform and they just didn't want to do that because they had the expectations. And I'm not writing waters off. Like I still think he can be a solid player all around, but I don't think he's ever going to be a stud. Pache's value comes pretty much strictly from his glove. Maybe the bat develops. I don't know, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it depends on what happens. There's a lot of questions with who they resign. And obviously they're in strict win now mode. And I think that gives applause for them to resign a couple of these guys. I think Jock has an option. I think that um, Defal has an option as well with Solaire and Rosario. Obviously, I'd love for them to resign uh, Solaire and Rosario. So we'll see what happens. But I do think, yeah, obviously Waters made a AAA in 2019. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I don't, I don't know. I don't want them sit on the, in the bin, sitting on the bench at the major league level, but maybe they get traded. We'll have to see what, what happens there. Any Any additional thoughts? Yeah, before I do, uh, two quick things on the Braves here in this game. I just saw the Solaire home run. My word, that was absolutely murdered. Yeah, that was just, a tank. Yeah, that was like maybe 546, not 446. I think was hammered. Um, that was thing, when he, uh, they showed when he, when he crossed home plate after the home run. And I thought for a second I thought he was hugging the Bat Boy. It was it was Ozzy Albie. <laughs> like the size that difference between Jorge Soler and Ozzy Albie. who's one of my favorite players on baseball. This is kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll go out and say this right now. Go on the record. I don't think Drew Waters ever plays a game at the major league level for the Atlanta Braves. I think he's traded this offseason, uh, maybe for an arm. I'm not sure for what. They're pretty set offensively, so probably for an arm. I'd say. Uh, I think long term, you're probably looking at. Uh, I think Pache will be up, though I still don't think he's going to be a great offensive guy. I think he'll be adequate enough um, with his defense. That's so valuable. So I think it'll be him, Acuna, and then you know, probably one of you know the other guys we mentioned, Soler, Ozuna, one of those guys in the other corner. So I think that'll be the outfield for the next several years for Atlanta. Uh, yeah, and I think I think Waters can still so yeah, I, uh And I, I'm not high on Waters. I have dropped him way way down my rankings i think he's barely in my top 200 now let me look real quick yeah he's 189 right now and pache is 191 so i i'm not, I'm not a fan i don't see the bat ever progressing to anything that's going to be even close to impact level uh, i don't know if he's a long-term starter um maybe he is on a, on a bad team maybe you know, i hate to pick on kansas city maybe he was like kansas city and he's like could be a starter there but i don't see hit two waters as like a starter on a you know a playoff you know world series contending team so yeah, I think he gets dealt. I, I could see you know where Waters would be a good fit would be Cleveland. I, th- I could see him fitting there. They yeah. have no outfielders, and they really I don't think they have any reasonable outfielders on the horizon, unless I'm just, you know, blanking on some of the, they've got so many good middle infield prospects. You know, I know they've got Stephen Kwan 
which has really popped this year. Valera is a little bit further away, so it'd be interesting and to see. Maybe maybe get a, a one of the, their young arms. Yeah, get like a, be- a an Allen or a Battenfield or a Xavion Curry, something like that. Why not? I mean, worth a shot. Right. So yeah, that's. I think there's a lot of still question marks on that one, but it's a good question to consider and ponder. So the next question comes from Matt Logan on Twitter. What's the projected timeline for Christian Hernandez of the Cubs? Um, the Cubs seem to have a few too many shortstops, he adds. So is it likely that they will trade somebody or that he may change positions? I'll, tra- I'll let you answer that one first. I'll say it right now. Don't worry about it. I, I Hernandez, first off, Hernandez is like four years away, maybe five from the major league. He's 17 right now. He's at least a few years away. Love the talent. Like There's a reason why I had him uh, inside of my top fifth. I, the article, a couple articles I just wrote about the fun ones about projecting the top pros, fantasy prospects uh, two years from now. He was in my top 15 in, in, in that second article. So uh, definitely very high on him. But you see all, all these young, especially on the international market. You go look like any top international market list, whether it be on Pipeline, Baseball America, wherever it may be. It's like two-thirds of them are all shortstops. That's how it is. Like, you know, playing playing baseball in high school or little league, like where's the best athlete go? If he's not pitching, he's he's that short. So, so they always move off, whether it's they move over to third, over to second, depending on the arm strength, out corner outfield. You know, there's a lot of variables there. We're seeing it with guys like Abrams and others. So I won't worry about position right now. Um, wait, what was, what was the other part of that question? I'm <laughs> Uh, uh, with Hernandez, he just asked if it, they said they had a few too many shortstops. Is a trade likely, or will someone? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's just too hard to, too early to, to worry about you know them making trades. Like I said these things have a way of working themselves out. Who knows? Even though I'm super high on Hernandez and he's shown the ability that he could be a, a impact bat at the highest level, who knows if he ever even makes it? Same with these other guys. The Cubs are a very very talented. Uh, organization right now with a lot of rising talent like you look at their you know they have uh, from middle infielders hernandez reginald preciado uh ed howard uh james trianto so uh definitely have a lot of yes uh, on santana kevin made a lot of a lot of good and that's just just the middle infielders too not, not even the outfielders which there are a bunch of as well so yeah i, I think it's just too early to uh, worry about that right now yeah no i agree i think that hernandez is extremely talented and talent always wins out in the end. So he's going to find yep. a spot to play regardless. And yep. he he had a follow-up question as well about Jaron Duran. He said, what should we expect from him next year? Will he even be on the MLB roster to begin the year? No. I Obviously, it'll depend on what Boston does this offseason and what, what Heim, Bloom, and company do. But I envision if they go the way I think they're going to, I think he starts at AAA because I don't really see him starting – as we already we already have Verdugo, I think we have Kike for at least next year, uh, and then maybe we bring back Schwarber as well. So I I don't really see, and then maybe JD. I don't know a couple of options there, so they're kind of in flux right now. But I think they're gonna give him some time to get right because he didn't look he looked overmatched. He looked like the guy that I saw back in 2019 after he came up from high A to Double A. He just looked overmatched. So I think they'll send him back to Triple A beginning of the year, month or two. Let him get right. Let him get back to dominating like he was before he came up, and then bring him back up midseason. So that's kind of what I think. Yeah, no, I think I highly agree with that. I, I think that the expectations probably got a little too high for him this year. If I want to come up and be the leadoff hitter, the Red Sox so desperately needed down the stretch. But right. yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be fine long term. I'm not expecting him to be elite, but 
I agree with everything you said. We got two more questions here. This next one was from Alex Wilt. He asked, realistically, what are the chances that prospects like Bobby Witt Jr., Brennan Davis, C.J. Abrams, Julio Rodriguez, Novi Marte, etc., turn into legit top twenty players at the big league level? So, like for for a redraft standpoint, like top twenty dynasty players, even so, you feel like prospects get a little overvalued because people just assume that they'll be immediate stars. Are there any that could realistically do this? That become top twenty players? Yeah, no, that's tough because yeah, we we definitely overvalue prospects. I'm definitely guilty of that more than many probably. Um, but you know, I look at just this group of guys in general. First off, like a top twenty player, so we're we're talking one of this elite of the elite here that can more than likely do all five things well or four things incredibly well. And you look at this group here, the two that stand out the most here are obviously the guys are the number one, number two in my rankings, Wit and J-Rod, because Wit has the huge power speed blend, so good hit tool as well. J-Rod just has that elite, elite floor with an elite ceiling as well. So, um, but if you can get a, you know, a really good pack, if you can get a package where someone's already valuing these guys as like top 20, top 25 guys, which I think it's definitely could happen uh, in trade right now, especially with both of them kind of inching nearer to their, MLB debuts in 2022. I, I would do it because you, you're if you're going to lose that deal, you need Wit or JRR to, to hit like 95th percentile of their possible outcome. So, which they definitely could, and they look like studs, obviously, but I wouldn't be opposed because right now is one of those kind of times where I always might look to trade a guy like this if I do, because the with them inching closer to their debuts, the, the hype and the just the value of them could be an all time high right now. Obviously, you never know, but um, but yeah, realistically, you, maybe you get one of these guys turning into a top twenty. It's just, that's top twenty in all of baseball, not just like prospects. That's in all of baseball, so that's just really hard to do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's tough. I hundred percent agree that prospects get overvalued. I think they're good trade chips for that reason. Last question from our friend Ian Swerka, who we got to hang out with a little bit at first yeah. pitch, win some games with him. Good dude. So appreciate this question. This is actually a really hard question, so it's a good one to end on and wrap up with here. He says, I feel like we're not yet fully aware of how the utter weirdness of 2020 echoed in the 2021 performances, especially with younger players. So how are we handling this? Are there any free passes you're giving on poor for poor performances like Alec Bohm, Jesus Lazardo, or Gavin Lux? It's tough. I think that's a really mm-hmm. tough question to answer. But what it are is. your thoughts? Like how how do we looking back like a 60 game season? How do we value, especially with some of these younger guys? Yeah, it, it's super tough. And I wouldn't say I'm giving any a free pass, but I'll say the leash is longer. I'm giving them a longer leash. I'll, I'll go that route. Because especially guys that are, you know, these guys are all top 25 prospects. And, you know, Lux was a top 10 and Lazardo was, you know, at least top 20 uh, in a lot of prospect rankings. So I'll give them a longer leash because of the talent that we saw uh, throughout the minor leagues. And, but with 2020, and like we, I've talked about it before, like I, I interviewed Shane Boz and Cody Hosey back at the beginning of the pandemic last year. And just even the top prospects, because there was like, even before some summer camp was like what, uh, early July, it started. Yeah. Started there was like July that th- basically all of, you know, most part of March, but then like all of April, May and June, even the top guys didn't have, like they were going back to their, you know, back to their hometowns, like Hosey's from Indiana 
you know, they're going back to and Boz is from uh, I believe it was Texas. Um, they're going back to their, you know, where they're where they're from, playing at their their high school fields or just in local gyms. It's like definitely not you know MLB level uh, complexes for sure. So uh, definitely just through a monkey wrench and everything. We saw that 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 resonated throughout all the levels, not just in the minors, major leagues as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely give them a longer leash. That's why I'm I'm still in. Uh, on guys like Bohm, Lazardo, and Lux, maybe not quite to the level I was 12 months ago, um, as they all kind of had down-ish years this year. But I think all three are great by lows. Like we saw with Bohm, even though the approach went kind of south from what we were used to from him in the minors, the quality of contact was still pretty good. Lazardo still has some good swing and miss stuff. Lux, maybe we just have to adjust expectations, but he still can be an above-average hitter at this level. I still believe that. So, yeah, I think all three are a solid by lows right now in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I agree. And just to put it in perspective, like the first 60 games of this year, some crazy things that went on. Just looking at some of these guys, I mean, for instance, let's see, I had a couple. Kyle Tucker was hitting just 257 through 60 games. Sal Perez had just 14 home runs, which was actually a lot, but you know, even still, like how with how many he ended up with. Paul Goldschmidt was hitting 251 with seven home runs through 60 games. There's all kind of crazy numbers and things that happen in that small sample. So yeah, and beyond just the small sample is all the weirdness of it too. You think about everything that went on last year and all that the players dealt with. There's so many aspects that you have to think of. And so yes, I do think that it's worth thinking about and considering. You can't give full passes. Like we can't even give Lazardo a full pass on this year. You look and it was just another poor year. Obviously finished strong. I hope that he'll bounce back and be fine, but yeah, so I'm probably the lowest on Bohm out of all these. You know, I love Lazardo long term. I still think Lux. We've seen we saw Lux come on strong at the end of the year. So yeah, I'm not necessarily giving free passes, but at the same time, like we're not gonna totally throw those to the side either. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the weirdness of 2020 affected some people. I think it took some players longer to get going this year. And so it's interesting, and it'll be interesting to see again next year. You know, we're keeping our fingers crossed. We'll have another full year next year with the CBA and all. So it'll be interesting to see how we look, how players look after a full 2021 and hopefully a full 2022. Well, that wraps us up. It's been a fun episode. The World Series is going on. The Braves are up six to nothing at this point. So I hope by the time you're listening, they finished it off. I'm celebrating the first World Series title since 95 when I was a year old. <laughs> and again, we thank you for joining us. It's been an awesome episode. Anything you want to add to close us out? No, nah, just, yeah, I, I hope that by the time this hits everyone's earbuds that you're in a, uh, a World Series hangover, so to speak. Um, <laughs> let's hope it's a, they're up 6 nothing here, bottom of the fifth. Freed still looks pretty good right now. Only gives up, Only given up a couple hits so far. Uh, velocity has gone down a little bit from what I've seen here. It's more like 94, 95, but still looking pretty damn good. But yeah, thanks to everyone that submitted questions. I know we couldn't get to all of them, unfortunately, but uh, if we didn't get to yours, we will answer it on Twitter for sure. And if we forget, give us a little gentle reminder, give us a little nudge. Um, but yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at EricCross04, Chris is at RotoClegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And of course, check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. And join us again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. Tell them, everyone take care.